Hello, chefs. This is Chef's PSA Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Natera. On today's episode, we're going to talk about AI, and we're also going to talk about being the FNG. Stay tuned. This episode of Chef's PSA is sponsored by JNR Grills and Smokers. I used JNR Smokers and Grills for over five years as a chef, and I can tell you there's a huge difference cooking over live fire or smoking with wood than using gas. There's only one way to get that real wood flavor. And now they've just released the JNR Vault holding cabinet. It'll probably be the last holding cabinet you'll ever buy. It's built with 14 gauge stainless steel interior. It's ultra durable. It has precise electronic temperature control. The exterior doesn't get hot and it's gonna outlast those other holding cabinets that you've used that always break down. If you're gonna put all that effort into grilling and smoking perfect meat, then you probably need the right cabinet to go with it. They build everything in Texas and ship to all 50 states in over 50 countries. JR, they'll stand with you. They've always stood with me. Go to jrmanufacturing.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So before we get started, I'm going to give you an update, but I'm actually going to tell you something stupid that I just did. I just recorded this whole podcast. I was talking for about 30 minutes. And I realized I never hit the record button. So I was just staring at the camera talking the whole time. This is round two. Anyway, we digress. Here's an update. I've been working on the new book, Bad Cooks Everywhere. I did a poll the other day on my Instagram story and we all voted. And this is the cover that you all have selected. So that's the one that we're going to go with. I've formatted it. I've written the dedication. Now I need to start putting some content in there. But I'm excited to be working on another book. It'll be a continuation of the series, part of Bad Sue, Good Chef. I've also put out some new merch. You'll notice that I'm wearing a new hat. This one says Happy Cook. It's available at the merch store at chefspsa.com. You could go there. You could also get the books there, Culinary Leadership Fundamentals, Bad Sue, Good Chef, Kitchen Art of War, How Not to Be the Biggest Idiot in the Kitchen, and the Line Cook Survival Manual. I don't know if you could see this. I'm also wearing a shirt that says, Ask Me About My Alfredo. You can get that shirt also at the Chef's PSA merch store. And for those of you that don't get the joke, there's this annoying thing that people do to you when they find out you're a chef. And I spoke about this on an early podcast, and I also wrote about this in the Red Book. And that is, someone comes up to you, you're at a party, you've been invited, no one else is a chef, but they know you're a chef. And someone comes up to you and says, oh my God, you're a chef, what's your specialty? It's the fucking worst question. It's the most annoying question you get. So what do you do? Do you explain to them how the industry works and waste your breath and disappoint them? when they find out that you actually don't have a specialty? Maybe you do have a specialty. Maybe you run a specific type of restaurant. Most people don't. That's why I say your go-to move should be just tell them chicken Alfredo, period. The plebs love chicken Alfredo. Then they're gonna ask you how to make it and you're gonna say, you know, some cream, some Parmesan, some pasta, some chicken. Maybe you put garlic in there. Maybe you're a purist with only butter. Well, whatever you tell them, they're gonna be disappointed because they're gonna say, that's exactly how I make my chicken Alfredo. And they're going to wonder why theirs is not as good as yours. That's because you're a chef. You have technique and you know what you're doing. And you know that water needs to be boiling before you add the pasta. And you season it and you taste it. 
and you reduce the cream or butter and you add a little bit of pasta water. Anyway, chicken alfredo is your move. Go get the shirt. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button, thumbs up, leave a comment. If you're watching on Spotify or listening on Spotify, make sure you leave five stars, nothing less than five stars. It's a five-star podcast. We know this. We've been through this already. Hit the subscribe button. Where's your Spotify wrapped podcast? What's the number one thing you're listening to? Go post it. Tell everyone. Chef's PSA. Let's go. Thank you for all of you that were sharing your Spotify rap list with Chef's PSA as your number one podcast. I appreciate it. I tried to share all the stories that came to me. You don't know how much I appreciate the support. A lot of you were sending me stories that I wasn't tagged in, so I couldn't share, but I definitely saw them and I truly appreciate it. Tell the world it's the best chef podcast out there. As we move on, AI. I was doing an interview the other day on Instagram Live with Emmanuel LaRoche from Flavors Unknown podcast. We were going live on Instagram, talking about his book, which I'm featured in, of course, Conversations Behind the Kitchen Door, which is a very good book. A lot of chefs are in there. I got to say that the very first quote in front of chapter one is my quote, be the exception to the rule, which you've heard me say here many times. And while we were doing the Instagram live, we got talking about AI, which got me thinking. One of the things that he said to me is a lot of chefs are nervous about AI. And I started thinking they don't have to use it. You don't have to use AI. No one's forcing you to use it. No one's forcing you to use Google. For that matter, no one's forcing you to use a computer. You don't have to use it. It's a tool just like everything else. And a year ago, I did a podcast on AI and how I wrote this recipe book using my brain and ChatGPT to create recipes, how I programmed it to think like me. Fast forward almost one year later, and I just created my first GPT called Food Cost Oracle. I posted about it on my LinkedIn page. I was looking for a couple of people to beta test it, but basically what I did is I loaded it with information, data on food cost. I trained it how I think, so I gave it chapters from my book. I uploaded it with the Food Cost Mastery Guide, which is also available on chefspsa.com, as well as I gave it the transcripts from the three-part series I did on food cost. And the cool thing about it is it acts as a food cost mentor. It'll guide you through things. If you don't understand food cost, it'll break it down for you. It'll explain it to you, but using a chef's tone. And it'll give you real-world examples that I've programmed it with. On top of that, it's able to create spreadsheets for you. So you could say, build me a food cost tracker for Excel. It'll explain to you how to do it. And if you want, it'll also build it for you so you could download it. That's a game changer. And the reason I wanted to do this is because one of the things that I predicted in that AI episode is that it's going to force chefs to get out of the office, right? People are going to have to learn how to cook again. You're not completely going to get out of the office. There's always going to be admin work to do, but using AI will make you exponentially more efficient at what you do. It's like having an extra brain. You don't have to use Google as much. It's a one-stop shop. It also can build things for you which it's incredible. It's an incredible tool. I know I use it for a lot of different things. I'm sure you see the cartoon comics that I generate using AI on Chef's PSA. I've become a little bit proficient at creating images. You could create food images. I could create comic images. I could make juxtapositions of different art using, for example, I put one up the other day that was a Sharpie with a piece of green tape and a bunch of chefs looking at it at an art gallery. And that was a callback to a piece of art. This artist, I can't remember which one, put a banana and taped it up and called it art. And so I did it and I put a piece of tape up on a Sharpie and called it art. I said, oh, I could take this art finally that I made and put it in an art gallery 
using AI image generating software. And the caption on there reads, bullshit, bullshit, derivative, this is art. Now, if that got lost on you, that's from, uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. There's an art episode where Frank is walking around with a wig, pretending to be in an art exhibit, being an art collector, I think. Anyway, that's his quote. If, you, if it was lost on you, that, that was the reference. We digress. We're talking about AI. So with AI, you could create art. I've also started experimenting with making moving images. I've only shared one, but I've done a lot behind the scenes where I could now create moving AI images. And pretty soon as the technology evolves, you'll soon have like full on very short chef's PSA cartoons. I see that coming. It's funny because when I wrote the very first chef's PSA, I wanted someone to animate it. And I wanted someone to animate it in that rubber hose style animation. So the Popeye the Sailor Man, the early Disney cartoon style, Cuphead, that look is what I was going for. But it was just too complicated at the time. Now I could totally do it. I don't know if I want to. Now I just create so much, but it's fun to know that now I could do it. It's what I wanted to do. Now I pretty much make cartoons every day. Who would have thought? But other things that you could do with AI, you could proofread emails. You could summarize emails. Before you send an email, you could ask it to look at it, make sure everything sounds correct. You could have it proofread menus for you. So if you're the type of chef that types everything up in a Word document, you could put it in there and say, check my spelling, right? How many times have you as a chef caught a menu spelling error after the fact, right? Or you use the wrong word. Like those days are over if you're using the right tools for the job now. And programming these AIs is, it's the way of the future. So you might have one that, is your spell checker. You might have another one that's your food cost oracle. You might have another one that you could use for labor cost, but you might have another one that's just for food research. I don't know. But it, like I said, it's a tool that will make you exponentially more efficient. So I advise you to start considering using it if you're not. Early on when I was experimenting with AI image generation, I shared a whole bunch of images that I had created of food using AI. The first thing I did was I texted some chef friends that I know and said, what do you think of these dishes? And one of them was like kind of critiquing it a little bit. Another one was like, wow, these are really beautiful. Did you make this? Where are you working at now? The crazy thing was none of them knew they were AI images until I explained it to them. They were all blown away. I've jumped on some conference calls with chefs and shown them how to create AI images for food. And it's super wild because now I'm starting to see it pop up on Instagram and people that don't do that aren't aware that those are AI images and not real food. And people are like, oh, that, that looks so good. One of my friends, we were putting in, make food in this style and make it a fish. And it would create a dish looking like the style of a certain restaurant. So again, if you know how to use AI, you, if you have a menu idea that you were thinking about, you could say, I'm just making this up. Give me an octopus dish with tomatoes plated like a three Michelin star chef and see what it generates. Now, it might not be the dish that you want, but it may give you ideas for plating and things like that. So don't necessarily think of it as something that's going to replace you. Think of it as something that's just going to be an extension of who you are, right? Your iPhone didn't replace you. It just made you more efficient. The Terminators aren't here yet to replace you. I, I honestly don't think AI is going to replace you in the kitchen in the settings of cooking. I, I think, yes, maybe in some fast casual examples, certainly. Maybe in some production processes, certainly but the creative chef will always still be needed to create. On top of that, if an AI creative chef pops up and, no, and it's this big gag and no one knows it's an AI and they sell tickets and whatever, and then you're shocked one day it was all created by AI and cooked by robots. If people find that out, I think people are smart 
and will still support restaurants that have real human beings cooking the food. I think that's going to be a thing in the future. Maybe not next year, maybe not in two years, but I guarantee you there's going to be a movement like people support local. People are going to say, we only support restaurants that have real humans cooking the food. Mark my words. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Crystal Ball is saying that. So as I was working on AI, I started working on an Ask Chef's PSA AI, and I loaded it with my books, some of the transcripts of my podcast, and I want it to think and act like me. I was about 50% done. It started getting a little glitchy how it would answer me, but very soon, I promise you will have an Ask Chef's PSA GPT that you could ask it questions and it'll answer hopefully like I would answer it, maybe even better than I would answer. Who knows? Chef's PSA GPT might take over the podcast. Who knows? We digress. Moving on to the second half of this episode, I want to talk about being the FNG, aka the fucking new guy, the fucking new girl. That's what FNG stands for if you didn't know that. The new book that I'm writing called Bad Cooks Everywhere, A Cook's Journey Being the FNG, that's what it's all about. You're the new cook in the kitchen. And what are some of the things to expect when you are the new person in the kitchen? Well, one of the things that you could expect when you are the new person in the kitchen is you're most likely going to feel uncomfortable, and that is normal and natural. But there's some things that you could do to fit in, and I've talked about this before, but here's a little refresher. You could show up on time. You could be respectful. You could shake in when you get there and introduce yourself, assuming that the time is right. You could get familiar with the kitchen, walk the coolers, see where everything is, touch things so you remember. That's a good little trick that I learned, is if you start touching things, if you go into a walk-in cooler and you touch the apples and you say, apples here, lemons there, you'll start to remember where things are. Just say them out loud and look at them and touch them, and it'll help build your visual and kinesthetic and auditory memory of where things are. Bring a notepad, take notes, ask if there's a recipe book. I know some people, like, there's that meme of recipe books and they don't exist, but maybe they do have a recipe book. I know when I've run kitchens, I always had recipes of some sort. I'm a big believer in recipes. Maybe they have a recipe book, get that. Take photos of your station where you're going to be working so you know how to set up every day. So the person that's training you, assuming you're being trained, take a picture. If they say, here's the dish, take a picture of the dish. You have a phone, assuming that's okay. Wash your hands. Phones are nasty. But take a photo. Take schematic photos of how you're set up. Take notes. Ask questions when appropriate. Do not tell them how you did it at your last job and it was way better. Because when you're new and you're insecure, that's normally when you want to say, I have all these ideas because you want to get social currency in the kitchen that you're in. It's not the right thing to do. Keep those ideas to yourself. If you're a new chef, meaning you're the new executive chef taking over a new sous chef, ask a lot of questions, take a lot of photos, make a lot of notes, don't change anything. Be very careful about speaking ill of the previous regime. One of the worst things that you could do is when you take over as an exec chef is say, previous people didn't know what they're doing. It starts to build dissension and it doesn't paint you in a good light. So don't do that. And it's tempting to do. And trust me, I've done it. Chefs I know have done it. It's like a very natural thing. I've learned to not do it because it screams insecure and it's just not cool, right? 
You don't know what they were up against. You don't know why things are the way that they are. Seek to understand first. One of the things that I do when I'm the new person in a kitchen as a head chef or a sous chef, I would always write down 100 things that I could make better and I wouldn't implement them. And the reason was, is because if I had implemented them right away, I might not have understood why they were that way. Because as time goes on, you may understand, oh, that's why it's that way. I didn't get that. Now I know. But the other thing that happens is you will forget all these ideas that you have. When you're new and fresh, write down those ideas because you will forget them in a couple of weeks. As they say, it becomes wallpaper. Be careful when forming alliances in a new kitchen. As a new chef, usually the person that comes to you with all the complaints, there's always one person, like your first week there, that wants to sit you down and they're gonna try and throw someone under the bus. And usually the person that they're throwing under the bus is someone above them or someone that they wanna get fired because they've had beef in the past. And they always wait for the opportunity for the new chef to start. So if you're the new chef starting, know there's gonna be this one bad cook and it's usually the bad cook that's going to come to you and tell you someone else who's probably not a bad cook is a bad cook. And normally it's because they're being held accountable. Be careful of that. That's something to look out for. Be careful getting too close to people early on because you don't know what's going to happen in the coming weeks. You may really like someone on their first day, their second day, and then their true colors show, and then you have to let them go or something happens like that. And it's hard to let someone go when you know them and you know their kids' names and you know their family and you think they're a great person. So sometimes keeping a little bit of professional distance early on is good because you need to let the dust settle when you take over a new job. Now, if you're coming in as a cook, you need to keep that same strategy. Don't get too friendly with everyone because a lot of times some of the bad apple cooks want to adopt you, right? I don't share stories like this about my childhood, but I grew up in a rough neighborhood. And when I was in high school, I changed schools and I was by myself. I didn't know anybody. And I grew up in a rough area gangland. And I was having lunch by myself and I got surrounded. There was like 10 of them. So they surrounded me and they said, you're new to this school. And I said, yep. And they said, those people that don't side with us are basically dead. I was like, well, I guess I'm siding with you guys then. And they were the wrong people to side with, but I didn't know that I was new. The same thing happens in kitchens, right? A lot of times the bad apples want to adopt someone so they could have alliances because sometimes there's factions in kitchens. There's the hardworking faction and then there's the toxic faction of the kitchen. And you gotta be careful to recognize which are which. I would say, obviously, align yourself with the people that are the better performers if you wanna be a good chef. If you wanna surround yourself with the complainers, you're gonna get sucked into that and you're gonna get stuck just complaining and you get sucked into that trap. So before you form strategic alliances, just go home, take notes, write things down. Don't get too deep into the social dynamics of the kitchen. The other thing to look out for when you're the new FNG is the games that people are going to play with you, especially if you're very green right out of culinary school. They're going to send you to look for the bacon stretcher or the can of steam or the left-handed spatula or the nonstick salt. All these mythical things that don't exist. You got to be careful of that. The dirty tricks that they play, they're going to send you to the next door restaurant and say, go ask them for the bacon stretcher. And that restaurant's going to say, no, you got to go next door. You got to go over here. You got to, next thing you've been gone for an hour looking for the bacon stretcher, which there's no such thing. You got to watch out for some of those games. So does it suck? Yes, it sucks, but it still happens and you should know it. So you don't fall for these tricks. And if you listen to Chef's PSA, you're smarter than everyone else. You know the tricks before you even go in. You won't fall for them. Don't fall for the old go mop the freezer with water. Don't fall for that one. You will fall literally. Other things to not do when you're the new person is don't negotiate salary and all that and then start 
and then want to change. It's just a red flag for them. We talked about this before. Be upfront in the interview process with what you need for scheduling, what you're going to need for time off if you have things planned, weddings, trips. Be upfront in the interview process, not after you get hired is a good thing. It leaves a bad taste in the mouth of the chef if you don't do that. Best advice I could give you if you're the new person in the kitchen is just don't be an asshole. Be respectful. Be kind to everyone. Carry yourself as a professional and people will usually treat you as a professional. It's the best advice I could give you today. Anyway, that's it for today. If you want to support the show, you know what to do. Make sure you leave five stars. Nothing less than five stars. Go to chefspsa.com. You get all the books, all the merch, everything that you need as a chef. Thank you very much. Go share your Spotify wrapped list with Chef's PSA on it. Tag me. Thank you all very much. See you next week. Hit the porno music.